Father, Daddy, Baba, we come to you and we ask you now to speak to us, to bring to light the truth of your word. And as we do pray, as we learn to pray from Jesus, we ask Holy Spirit that you will open our hearts, our minds and our eyes that we may see, that we may know, that we may feel and understand the truth. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you will speak and not me and that you will receive the glory for you. You deserve all honor and majesty and glory. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgiveness is hard. Uh, There's no getting around that. I, I don't think I need to unpack that anymore. Forgiveness is hard. I want to share with you this morning as we begin the story of Shannon Etheridge. Does anyone know that name? Shannon Etheridge. Uh, who, probably the girls more so than the guys, uh, the books, Every Girl's Battle, Every Woman's Battle, does that sound familiar? Kind of, not really, no. Okay, you guys don't read, that's okay. Uh, Shannon Etheridge wrote the books, Every Girl's Battle, Every Woman's Battle, uh, maybe I'm getting old, it was probably more the product of my generation. Uh, but she, she writes these books and she's written many other books since then. Uh, but these books may never have become a reality. Uh, there was a moment, an event in her life which may have completely changed the direction of her life. And I want to share that with you this morning. Uh, when Shannon was just 16 years old, uh, she was driving to school one day. She's an American, they drive at 16. Uh, she was driving to school one day. And Etheridge, uh, Shannon Etheridge, ran over Marjorie, uh, Marjorie Justifier, a woman riding her bicycle along the country road. Marjorie died as a result. Uh, and Shannon, completely uh, guilt-ridden, uh, she was found guilty uh, by the authorities. Uh, she contemplated suicide uh, several times, uh, but she never took her life because of the healing response of one man. Uh, Gary, Marjorie's husband. Gary forgave the 16-year-old Shannon and asked the attorney to drop all charges against her, uh, saving her from a probable guilty verdict. Uh, Instead, he simply asked that Shannon continue on in the godly footsteps that his wife had taken. And he said to her, you can't let this ruin your life. God wants to strengthen you through this. And in fact, Gary passed on Marjorie's legacy to her. And this act of forgiveness and many other stories like this show the amazing love of God, but also the power of forgiveness. As we continue in our series on the Lord's Prayer, Jesus uh, Jesus teaches us, we learn from the Master Teacher himself how we can pray. And just a kind of quick overview of uh, the prayer so far, Jesus calls us and reminds us to come to God not as some deity or divine being that's far off, uh, but as our Abba Father, our Heavenly Dad, 
daddy, but, but this is a personal God. This is someone we can come to with confidence at any time. There's no begging, there's no pleading, there's no ritual, there's no special process involved. The door to his throne is always open. But then Jesus reminds us that yes, he is our Abba Father, but he is also king. He's a good and faithful king, but he is king. And so we seek his kingdom. We seek the best of his kingdom in his creation and for his people, for us. And so we can trust that when we seek his kingdom, when we put his priorities first, we're not left by the wayside, we're not forgotten. And so we do that and we leave our anxiety and worries at home. But he is a good and faithful king and so that means that we can ask him for what we need. And Jesus says, give us each day our daily bread. Our daily needs, physical and spiritual. He provides us with what we need for each day. And Jesus reminds us not to worry about tomorrow. But just as he provides our physical needs, he also provides our spiritual needs. And as we've hinted at already, one critical area of spiritual need is forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness is hard. But before we get to how forgiveness and prayer come together here, there's two things I think we need to understand. Why we need forgiveness and why we need to forgive others. So why do we need to forgiveness? Why do we need forgiveness? The short answer is sin. short answer is sin. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates people and he creates everything that fills this world. He creates Adam and Eve. And in God's eyes, all of this is good because that's who God is and that's what God does. He does what is good. And in his goodness, he asks people, he asks of Adam and Eve, to do one thing, to trust him. Except they don't. Their distrust and their disobedience bring sin and death into the world. We read this in Genesis 1-3. to Now you may have wondered before or you may be wondering now, how is that fair? Why does the fall and sin of Adam and Eve implicate us too? Why are we lumped in with them? Uh, Now, to unpack that fully is another sermon in itself, but we'll get there one day. But let me try and uh, just sum that up really quickly. Uh, In Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, Paul points out uh, a very simple truth. And you don't need to spend long in the world to recognize this truth. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is, no one is perfect, no one is good, no one is righteous. No one. You you go out into the world and that's what we see. We live in a broken world. And and later on in chapter 3, he says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. 
as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. That's in Romans 5, 12 to 14. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, yes, we share in Adam's sin and consequently death that comes through that sin. But Paul says that until some kind of law was given, we're not accountable for that sin. Get your head around that. Yes, there is sin that we share in Adam and yes, we share in death. But until there is law, there is no judgment. But here's the thing. The law does come. And if you know the Bible story, the law comes when Moses gives the law to the people of Israel. And it's kept for us here. And all through history, governments and authorities have established laws. Those laws implicate us because we don't keep them. How does this work? Let me try and illustrate this. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was pulled over by the police. Not for speeding. Let me just get that clear. Why was I pulled over? (laughs) (laughs) I had blue lights on the back of my car. Now, they're remnants of my younger days. I just hadn't changed them. Uh, And they were remnants of my time in Victoria. They weren't illegal there. They weren't illegal there. But they're illegal here in Queensland. Uh, I didn't think to check when I moved up. The officer scolded me for so. Uh, But the fact that I didn't know doesn't mean that they weren't illegal. It doesn't actually change that fact. What has changed is that now I know the law and I know that it's illegal, I'm accountable for it. I, I have no excuse anymore. And so that's the same with sin. Yes, Adam sins and brings sin and death into the world, but until we discover the law, we are not judged for it. But the truth is that we now have the law and very few people have the excuse. So now we're accountable for our sins. It's not because of Adam, but instead because now we have the law and we have the law shown to us that we are now accountable for it. But here's the good news. Paul says this in Romans 5, 6 and 8. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jump down to verse 19 and he says this, For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. That one man is Jesus. Sin enters the world through Adam, but be through the obedience of Jesus, his life, his death and his resurrection comes righteousness, being made right with God, being restored with God. And that's good news. And so in Jesus, we can reorientate ourselves from sin to righteousness, to to being right with God, in trusting in the goodness and faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. So why do we need forgiveness? Because of sin. 
But the good news is that in the death of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Any questions at that point? Shoot me a look if you've ever got any questions. So now we know why we need forgiveness. Why do we then need to forgive? Because in this prayer, Jesus says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And you might be wondering then, does this mean that unless I forgive someone, God won't forgive me? And if you look at Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So is this a cause and effect where in order to gain God's forgiveness, we need to forgive other people? Is forgiveness conditional? Well, no, it's not. God's forgiveness isn't based on our actions or some kind of merit that we earn, but out of his love his mercy and his grace towards us. So what is Jesus actually trying to say here? Uh, Turn with me to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 21 onwards. Uh, We're not going to read the whole thing, uh, but uh, have it there with you. Uh, And this this is where we're at in this particular uh, story. Uh, Peter, one of the disciples, comes to Jesus and asks, verse 21, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? He wants to know if there's a limit to forgiveness. He knows he needs to forgive, and I'm sure many of us know that too. But Peter asks the question, how much do I need to forgive? Is there an end to this? If I forgive my brother seven times, is that enough? People love doing people. People like setting boundaries and criteria life but how does Jesus respond verse 22 I tell you not seven times but 77 times people translate this 70 times 7 that's 490 if you're quick at math what's Jesus saying here that's a lot there is no limit to how we forgive others To illustrate this, he then tells this story, verses 23 onwards. Again, we're not going to read this, but let me tell you this story quickly. There's this king who wants to settle his accounts with his servants. One particular servant owes him 10,000 talents and he's unable to pay up. So the king orders that the servant and his family is sold into slavery to repay the debt. Uh, The servant begs for mercy. servant begs for mercy and the king relents. He cancels his debt. He doesn't just say, yeah, go take some more time. No, he cancels the debt. Now, this servant then leaves the king and then he goes and he comes across one of his fellow servants who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, I'm not expecting you to know Roman currency. Let me illustrate this. One hundred denarii, 10,000 talents is like a hundred dollars to 73 million. That's the difference. The man, this other servant, begs this servant who's just had his debt cancelled, he begs him for mercy. 
But he refuses and throws this man in prison. Now the other servants catch wind of this and they go back to the king and say, what's happened? And the king is furious. And then the king throws the ungrateful servant into prison to be tortured until he can repay the debt. And how does it end? Verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What's the point? Two things. Three things. We need to recognize how totally undeserving we are of God's mercy. God has forgiven us from sin. Creator of the universe who has given us life and we have not trusted Him. We have sinned against Him and He gives us mercy and forgives us. We need to recognize how big of a deal that is. Second, as we recognize this sin, as we recognize our debt to God, that sin against God is greater than any other sin committed against us. And that is huge. And I realize how hard that is to get your head around. The sin we've committed against God is greater than any sin that anyone can ever commit against us. And third, we should forgive those around us, everyone, in light of how God's forgiven us. We need to recognize how undeserving we are of God's mercy. We need to recognize how great our sin is compared to the sins others commit against us. But we also need to forgive as God has forgiven us. I was reading uh, in preparing this, I read this quote, an unforgiving heart is not in a condition that can accept forgiveness. An unforgiving heart is not in a condition that can accept forgiveness. And just like I said, here's the thing. Unless you recognize the significance of your sin against God compared to the sins committed against you, God's forgiveness means very little, if anything at all. If we don't recognize how significant our sin towards God is, we're not going to value the forgiveness that God has given us in Jesus. Jesus' death means very little or not much at all. And this is a matter of the heart. I, I came across a news story just the other day. Uh, you may have come across this as well. There was a couple who run this Instagram page called Another Beautiful Day. And they launched a GoFundMe campaign for 10,000 euros. And why were they doing that? Was it to raise support for mental health? No. Raise awareness of global warming? No. To follow their dreams of achieving something great for humankind? No. No, they wanted to show the world all of the above. How? By going on a tandem cycling trip from Germany to Africa. Somehow, by doing a tandem cycling trip from Germany to Africa, they wanted to reveal the issues of mental health, global warming, and the power of achieving your dream. 
Uh, they shared this with their Instagram followers that getting a job would be detrimental. And there weren't many jobs that they were qualified to do. One of their mums works two jobs to fund their lifestyle. And I don't know about you, but I'm confused by all of this, and so are many of their followers. And you might think that this is all a bit over the top and a bit ridiculous, but this is the thing. That unless we recognise the gravity of sin towards God, then our forgiveness towards our unforgiveness towards other people looks a little bit ridiculous too. When we recognise that God has forgiven us so much, it looks ridiculous when we don't forgive others. Now, I've said it and I'll admit it myself that it is hard to forgive. It is hard to forgive people when they hurt you. And in some cases, some of these hurts take time to work through. They're serious hurt. And forgiveness doesn't come overnight. But as I shared with the kids the story of this woman, this woman in sin, Jesus says to her, whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Forgiveness is one of the greatest, but also the hardest aspects of the Christian life. I don't think there's anything that comes anywhere close. Forgiveness is one of the greatest and hardest things of the Christian life. And we're called to forgive because of the great love that has been shown to us in Jesus and his sacrifice and death on the cross. So why do we forgive? Because at the right time, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you and me. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Any questions before we move on? So how then do we pray? What's the connection here between forgiveness and prayer? How does knowing these things shape the way that we pray? I want to say three things. We pray with repentance. We pray with thanksgiving. And we pray with humility. We recognize first and foremost and confess that before our Abba Father, this is not some wrathful God who is pouring out judgment. No, this is our Abba Father, our Heavenly Father. And we need to recognize and confess that our sin is first against Him. And so we pray with repentance. And what is that? Repentance is this desire to change. It is this desire to not leave things as they are. A desire to trust and align ourselves with our Abba Father's kingdom, as Jesus has taught us. And recognize that His good rule in our lives benefits us. And so Jesus teaches us, hallowed be your name, your kingdom And this isn't meant to be something that stirs up fear or anxiety when we bring our sin to God and confess our sins. No, the good news is that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 
We're reminded again in Hebrews, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16. And so we come to God in prayer. We come with repentance. Secondly, as we recognize and confess our sins, there should be thanksgiving. It's, it's not this mournful state of repentance. No, there is thanksgiving as we come to God and confess our sins to Him because He promises that He will forgive us. And in the light of Jesus' death on the cross, that should affirm and confirm that God will forgive us. And this is one of those instances where prayer becomes worship. Prayer becomes worship as we don't simply remember what Jesus has done for us, but we worship God, we thank God for the great work that he has done for us. It becomes a moment of praise, of worship, as we recognize the forgiveness and salvation that we find in Jesus. Because the danger is this, if we don't come to God in thanksgiving and recognize what he has done for us, we take for granted the goodness and the grace of God. And so we pray with thanksgiving. And lastly, as Jesus teaches us, this should cause us to forgive others. As we come and ask God for forgiveness, it should cause us to forgive others. It's one thing to thank God for his forgiveness and mercy in our lives. But it's a whole other thing to, to remember that we need to show this same forgiveness and mercy to others. It's not an easy thing to do. But it should cause us then to come to God with humility, asking for the strength, the courage and the boldness to forgive others as he forgives us in Jesus. God doesn't come and just say, I've forgiven you, go and forgive other people. No, he says, the very petition before this, give us each day our daily bread. And so in the same way we come to God and say, give me the resources, give me the boldness, give me the courage, give me the strength to forgive those who have sinned against me, who have hurt me, who have caused me pain. And Jesus himself demonstrates to us the extent to which we go. No matter who has hurt us or caused us pain or sinned against us, we can forgive. Because hanging there on the cross, sentenced, framed by his enemy, standing before him as he hangs there in agony, mocking him. How does Jesus pray? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus sets this example for us that no matter who or what or how people have sinned against you, have hurt you and caused you pain, you can forgive them because Jesus has died for you and forgiven you of your sin before God. And so we pray with humility to forgive others. Any questions on any of that? If you want to talk about any of this, please come and find me. Don't 
leave it. Forgiveness is hard. And as Jesus teaches us to pray, he reminds us of the overwhelming blessing of the love, grace and mercy shown to us by God. Demonstrated by his death and sacrifice on the cross. And if we're bold enough to come to God and ask for forgiveness, would we be bold enough to trust that he will enable us to forgive those who sin against us? Would we be humble enough to do that? Would we be people who forgive others greatly as we come to see the greatness of God, God's love and forgiveness for us? And I pray we are and that we do. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we recognize that these things that we have looked at are hard and challenging. And I pray that if any one of us are wrestling with that, that you would help us, that you would give us strength, that you would give us courage because we need it to forgive. We don't love like you do, but in Jesus you have given us unconditional love and we ask that we might tap into some of that, that we might love those around us and that we might be able to forgive them as you have forgiven us. If we struggle with unforgiveness, God, I pray that you will bring healing to our hearts, that you will show us how much you have loved us and that in light of your love, we can forgive no matter how great the hurt, no matter how deep the pain. And we ask that this would be who we are, people who forgive because you forgive us and you love us. And so we ask, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.